What a joy to be with you this morning. Happy Easter. Oh, wow. That was no response whatsoever. <laughs> Not one person just said it back. Okay, bye. <laughs> Thank you. Goodness gracious. Wow. I'm literally blown away right now in this moment that no one said that back. Uh, if I've not gotten the chance to meet you, my name is Landon Turner. Uh, I have loved my time here at First Christian. The Lord has done so much in my own heart. I feel like he's done stuff in the church. We've grown as the body of Christ, and so uh, I'm just excited to be here. I love getting to celebrate with you. Um, I'm, a, I'm a little bit different, so don't be surprised. Apparently, last week, I was like slowly walking around the community table. I had no idea, but I'm going to move a lot, uh, so just, just go with it. Uh, as I was preparing for this Easter service, uh, the Lord kind of brought a question to my mind. It was, do I really understand the impact of Easter? Do I really understand what the cross changed for me today? Do I understand what the grave changed for me today? What the resurrection changed for me today? And as I thought about it, I felt like in my own personal walk, it's kind of lost its meaning. In my own personal walk, Easter, though it meant a lot, did not mean what it should mean to me. There were things that got lost, maybe because I've heard it so many times, that I needed to be refreshed in, that I need to be reminded of why Easter is important. So today's not going to be your typical Easter message. Now, we will take time and talk about the goodness of God and the sacrifice of Jesus. But first, we're going to talk about one simple question. What would be? Without the cross, without the grave, without the resurrection, what would be? Uh, so earlier I said we, did, we were going to do this song, Grave. Um, when I was preparing for the message uh, uh, several weeks ago, I, I don't even remember how this song, somebody sent it to me. Somebody sent this song to me. I had told nobody what I was talking about. I had not told anybody. And then suddenly this song is sent to me. I don't know if you're this way with music, uh, but often I listen to music while I'm doing something. You know, I'm working and listening to music. I'm mowing and listening to music. I'm fishing and listening to music. And so I'm not actually paying any attention to the music. Until one day, I'm sitting and working on this teaching, working on it, and listening to this song, and it was like, uh, wow, <laughs> this song like, fits perfectly with what we're going to talk about. I'm going to read some of these lyrics. These lyrics are powerful. I'm going to read them if I can ever find them. Here we go. <laughs> Things like this. If there hadn't been a darkness, I would have never seen the light. I wouldn't long for the sunrise if it wasn't for the night. And then, you know, you get to the chorus, my heart would still be buried. I'd still be a dead man without the grave. How about this? This is one of my favorite ones. I wouldn't know the sweetness of freedom if it wasn't for my sin. These are some powerful, powerful lyrics, and it brought me to the realization that unless we truly grasp the magnitude of what Easter changed for us, we can never and will never appreciate it enough. Unless we grasp what did Easter change. There's a saying that people say that there's many different you know, ways people say this, but basically, the best view comes after the hardest climb. I've told you all before, if you've been here, that, that I've gone to the Grand Canyon and hiked the Grand Canyon. Um, 
I feel like I often talk about nature. Here's the thing. God speaks through nature, okay? This isn't even in my, in my notes. This is free. When I'm fishing, when I'm fishing, and I reel in that 10-pound bass, I know God is good, right? You know God is saying, here, I'm being faithful. Here, I'm being good. So God always speaks through nature. But I'm, I'm sitting at the Grand Canyon, and you're looking out over it, and you're thinking, yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, you, you almost don't even have words. It's beautiful. Then you hike seven miles down into the Grand Canyon, and you look up, <laughs> and you think, oh, man. <laughs> you have a whole new appreciation for the Grand Canyon after being in it. Okay? And this is the way that we're going to take this teaching. We're going to try and understand Easter a little bit more by getting into the valley of Easter. Getting into what would it be without Easter? What would our lives be like without Jesus, without what he did? Because we can never truly understand what the Lord did for us if we don't take the time to think about it. Uh, so I'm going to give a little, a little bit of forewarning here. Uh, don't tune out. That's not, a, that's not a warning. That's a statement. Don't tune out. Okay, there's going to be things that I'm going to say that you probably have heard before in this next two or three minutes. There's going to be things that you probably have heard before. But here's the thing. It's always good to be refreshed. It's always good to be reminded. And maybe this part is for you to take and take to somebody. Okay, maybe everything in this message is not specifically for you, but it's for you to take to somebody. Okay, so don't tune out. We're going to go back to the very beginning. The Bible says that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit created man. Okay, this is often a, a confusing idea, the Godhead, three in one. This is one of the most, you know, next week, oh, here's a plug for next week. We're starting a new series called Questions. It's going to be really, really, really good. Uh, there were like hundreds of questions that I got, uh, and so I'm excited to talk about it. But one of the questions that was, talked about, that was asked a lot was, how can God be three in one? How does that make any sense? Well, remember, the Bible's not written in English. Okay, I, I literally think I say that every week. <laughs> the Bible's not written in English, but the Bible's not. And so when the, when the Bible talks about the Godhead, three in one, three in one, perfect unity, that word right here, hold this. Then he talks about marriage, and he talks about man and wife, they shall become one. Okay, same word used for both of these. When you get married, I'm not married, but I have seen people get married, okay? When you get married and most of you are married, when you get married, you don't literally begin to fuse together, and instead of two humans now, there is one human, okay? If that happens, go to the doctor right now. Leave the service and go, because that's bad. But what happens is that you become perfectly unified. The word is unified. Same thing here. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in perfect unity. They are in perfect unity all the time. This is going to come, come in hand later in the message. Perfect unity all the time. They create man. And because God is loving, he gave man free will. Okay, there's dictatorships that happen right now in our world. There is dictatorships. And that is not loving when people don't have a choice. It's not loving. And God, wanting to love his people, wanting to love his creation, gave them free will, gave them the opportunity to choose between life and death. He said, there's one tree there that you can't eat of in a garden, one tree, and there's billions of others that you can eat from. And man, <laughs> we choose the one tree that God says no. And today, thousands of years later, we're still choosing the one tree. 
we still choose the one tree, okay? But God, because he loved us, recognized sin. Okay, sin separates us from God, right? God is all holy. Sin is not holy. He can't be in connection. And God knew that we were going to keep choosing sin. He knew that it was going to happen for thousands of years. And so he said a sacrifice has to be made. And in the Old Testament, that sacrifice looked like lambs and sheep. And it looked like you having to sacrifice something of yours to make sure that you could be in rightness with God, that you could be in right step with God. And then one day, Jesus decided, I'm going to sacrifice myself. I'm going to sacrifice me so that this can be an eternal sacrifice. It's not something you have to, to kill a sheep or a lamb every time you mess up. This is an eternal sacrifice. And Jesus came to earth, lived life as a man, hung on a cross, and as he hung on the cross, every sin, every hurt, all anxiety, all fear, it was flung on him. The most painful part of the cross was not the nails. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't the nails, it wasn't the hanging there, it wasn't the, the beatings. It was the fact that he hung there for hours and every sin and shame and fear and guilt, it all came on him. That was the most painful thing that he had to endure. But because he took it all, we didn't have to. Because he took it all... We didn't have to. All you had to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. This is the power of the gospel. But here's my fear. I fear it's become weakened because maybe we don't think about it enough. Maybe we hear it too much. And we forget to think about what would be. What would our lives look like without the cross? What if Jesus had said no. What if Jesus had said no? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in perfect unity, what if they had said, no, this isn't a good idea? This isn't a good idea. They're not worth it. They're not worth fighting for. What would our eternity look like? What would our lives look like? The Bible is literally filled with promises. Every page is filled with promises that are given to us when we can be in right steps with God, when we can be in rightness with God, okay? And in the Old Testament, this looked like sacrificing a lamb so that you could be in rightness with God. Now it looks like we have Jesus, we can cling to Jesus. That's rightness with God. What if it wasn't an option? The promises in the Bible, the guarantees in the Bible that we are offered are nullified. They don't exist. Again, there's thousands of, of promises, thousands of examples you can see in Scripture. We're not going to talk through thousands. Some of y'all just fell asleep. I said thousands, and it's like, nope. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about three. Um, but as a precursor, before we get into those, here's a, here's a little precursor. We saw this in, in our previous series. The enemy knows the Bible, Okay. And he will use the Bible to confuse us and to trick us and to lead us astray, okay? Because he knows what he's doing. So I'm saying this so that the enemy has no place to, to speak here, okay? I'm going to be mentioning some Old Testament promises. And here's, here's the, the fear I have that's going you know, through my mind is maybe that's the, well, well, Jesus wasn't in the Old Testament, so how can those be connected to Jesus? Well, here's the thing. First off, Jesus is in every page of the Old Testament. Every page has Jesus written on it. But... Again, the promises are contingent on one thing, that we are in rightness with God. 
Because God can't be in community with sin. He can't be in community with sin because he's all holy. And so the promises are contingent on us being in rightness with God, which meant there has to be sacrificial blood. In the Old Testament, lambs, sheep. New Testament, Jesus. But that's how the Old Testament promises are still valid for what Jesus is doing. Is that, is that clear? I just want to make sure before we, we go on. So, here's the first one. Without Jesus' sacrifice, we have no purpose. We have no purpose. We know that because of our ability to be in right standing with God, in right step with God, because of the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross... We have a, a plan and a purpose and a life full of hope. This means without God, without God, what would be? Our lives would look like having no plans, no purpose, and no hope. There's no reason to exist. And a life without meaning is hardly a life. Trying to, trying to get out of bed in the morning and think about, what do I have to live for? Some of you have maybe thought that recently. What do I have to live for? And that's with the hope that Jesus brings, we sometimes doubt. But if there was no hope, what do I have to live for? There's no passion, there's no zeal, there's no love for life. You're simply existing to exist without what Jesus did on the cross. Here's some promises. I'm not gonna, I'm not, we're not going to go to all these scriptures uh, just because I'm going to read a lot. But here's just some promises that we are guaranteed because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he hung there and took everything and we can be in rightness with God. Here's some of the promises. Jeremiah 29, 11, one of the most quoted verses in all of scripture. He has plans to give you a hope and a future. A hope and a future. Romans 15, 13. This is good. Hear this one. Because of Jesus, because we can be in rightness with God, we have all hope, all peace, and all joy. There is not a single person on the earth that if you walked up to him and said, hey, do you want peace, joy, and, and love, or what did it say, hope? Do you want all this stuff? And they would be like, no, uh, please no. That doesn't happen because people want these things. They might pursue them in the wrong way, but people want these things. And Jesus is saying, there's one way to get it, and I did it for you, it's yours. 1 Peter 1, 3-4, this is a good one. It says that Jesus became our living hope. We can have a life with a living hope. There are so many people that put their hope in so many different things, and none of them are living. Not one of them is living. I am so thankful today for a God that rose out of the grave so that my hope can live. My hope can live, and my hope moves and breathes and lives with me because he is living. And James 4, 13 through 17 says that, that because of what Jesus did, we can have a life of provision. So that's the, that's the first one. Without Jesus' sacrifice, we have no purpose. Here's the second one. Without Jesus' sacrifice, Jesus is. That's hard to say. Say that four times fast. Jesus is. Without Jesus' sacrifice, we have no protection. We have no protection. You don't have to raise your hand, but in the last year, I would guess that every single person in here has dealt with some kind of hardship. I would be willing to say within the last day, every single person in here has dealt with some kind of hardship. In the last year, I would be willing to say that everyone in here has dealt with some kind of personal attack 
on you. Some kind of somebody's messing with you, somebody's talking about you, somebody's saying things to you. And here's the deal. That's because man has fallen and chosen the tree, and we've consistently chosen the tree. We have consistently chosen the tree. So life here is not going to be perfect. We know that. But here's what we do know. A life with Jesus looks like a life of protection. We talked about this this morning. Jesus is standing over the enemy, and he's saying, Tetelestai, I win. And because Jesus wins, we get to win with him. Because Jesus wins, we win with him. Here's some promises that Christ brought by sacrificing himself. Isaiah 54, 17. Somebody needs to hear this. No weapon forged against you will prevail. No weapon forged against you will prevail. This should be encouraging in every difficulty you're walking through right now. Whether that's with, with another human, whether that's with, with family, whether that's a, something spiritual that you're feeling. it. No weapon forged against you will prevail. It's a promise because of what Jesus did on the cross. So in the hardships, we can rejoice because the promise is they don't win. We win, and we've already won. Jesus died, sacrificed himself so we can be in rightness. And because of that, we win. Isaiah 43, 2. This is, this is a good one. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, this is one of the craziest stories in all of, the, all of Scripture, by the way. This is bizarre. So they're thrown in prison because they're not worshiping, okay? Not worshiping the, the, the right person. You know, they wanted to worship the king. So they're thrown in this furnace. Let me describe this furnace. It's not just like a fireplace, okay? What, what, what scholars believe is that this was like a metal bowl that a fire was lit on several sides of it. Metal gets super, super hot. And so these guys are thrown in this metal bowl without shoes on. Just thinking about that kind of makes my feet hurt. Like, maybe it's because I'm wearing boots. I don't know. But, but in this, they're thrown in. And it was so hot, it killed every single person around the furnace. Every one of them died. And the guards look in, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are sitting there playing checkers. They're just hanging out. They're, they don't have any fear. They're literally just saying, hey, how's, how's the family? How's, literally nothing. No fear whatsoever. And there's somebody else in there. It's the presence of God. And they're brought out of the fire. This is, this is hilarious. We've talked about this. When you're, when you're sitting by a bonfire, you can sit there for half a second, and your clothes will stink for two years. They will stink. You will never get that smell off. They come out of the fire, nothing is burned, and they don't smell of smoke. God, because of what Jesus did, is going to pull you out of the fire, and you won't even smell like smoke. You won't even smell like the difficulty you're going through. You won't even look like you've ever been through it because of the promise that Jesus guaranteed us by hanging on the cross. Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Man, sometimes we get, we get to the end of the road. We seem like in these, in these difficulties, and it's like I can't, I literally can't take another step. I literally cannot fight. I cannot get out of bed. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Be still. I'm going to fight this one for you. I'm going to fight this one for you. It's a promise guaranteed in Scripture. Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord will go before you and he'll be with you. 
And we just saw that he's fighting for us. So watch this. Sometimes we don't even have to face battles that we were going to have to face because the Lord went before us and fought them. Okay, so in the middle of your battle, you can rejoice because A, that weapon's not going to beat you, but B, the Lord protected you from some more battles. He protected you from some different fires. Okay, that's a reason to rejoice. That's the second one. Without Jesus, we have no protection. Here's the last one. Without Jesus' sacrifice, we are destined for darkness. In a physical manner, darkness really, really affects us. It has a, it has a big place in our lives when we're surrounded by darkness. Uh, I, I lived for a significant period of time in Norway. Okay, Norway is straight up north, like super high north over in Europe. And the sun would come up about 11 a.m. and would go down about 2 p.m. You'd have about three hours of sunlight. In a physical manner, that affected me so much. A, I didn't know when to be hungry. I'm hungry all the time. And I didn't know when mealtime was. You too? <laughs> he said, me too. <laughs> yes. You didn't know when anything was. You'd wake up, and it's, and it's like 9.30, and, and the sun is out, the stars are out. You're thinking, is this pee? What, what's wrong with this watch? You have no idea what happened. And you're sad. It's a sad feeling when the sun doesn't come out. It is. <coughs> so in a physical way, darkness affects us. And we know that when Jesus was dead, those three days, it was physically dark on the earth. A physical darkness. Without the presence of God, there is literally a darkness. And that's just physically. Emotionally and spiritually, it is so much more to be in darkness. It is so much more... Uh, 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 I don't even know the word I'm looking for. <laughs> I'm getting so ahead of myself. It's so hard to be in darkness spiritually and emotionally. It is so hard. And without a sacrifice, without the ability to be in right standing with God, we're destined for a spiritual and emotional darkness. I'm not even talking about the fact about eternity away from God. That's a whole nother thing. Eternity away from God is the most, most difficult form of darkness you can ever face. Not being in relationship with God. Not having the opportunity to come with God. I'm talking about there's no hope. There's no peace Everything in your life is dark. A life of anxiety and worry, hurt and pain, disease, emptiness, and an eternity away from Jesus. That is the darkness that we're talking about. Without Jesus' sacrifice, there's no light. There is only darkness. But we know that because Jesus hung on the cross and because he died and he took everything away, we can be in right standing with God. And here's the promises that we're guaranteed. John 14, 27, Jesus says, because of me, I'm going to give you peace. Not earthly peace, but heavenly peace. Jesus' peace. Jesus walked in peace. He walked in. People were beating him. People were, were like stabbing him with stuff and putting thorns on his head. And he didn't look at him and like flip him off and curse him out. No. He walked in so much peace because it was from heaven. Heavenly peace. And he guarantees that to us by being in right standing with him. Luke 179 says that we're guaranteed light instead of darkness. Psalm 16:8 says that we're guaranteed steadiness. Oh, I would love to have some steadiness sometimes in my life. Sometimes it feels like everything is moving, everything's shaking, 
And Jesus says, hey, walk with me, choose me, hold on to me, and we can be steady. We can be steady right here. James 5.14 talks about healing. We know that by his stripes, we can be healed. By his stripes, it actually says you are healed. We are healed. We have healing because of what Jesus did. And then John 3.16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the biggest promise of Scripture. When we choose Jesus, when we cling on to Jesus, we get everlasting life. So right now I've talked about some, some pretty, pretty sad things. Uh, uh, no protection, uh, darkness, anxiety, you know, hopelessness. Yeah, we're feeling good. Thanks for preaching. Yeah, and Jim said that you get to vote on this sermon. Uh-oh. Well, see you guys next year. <laughs> no, here's, here's the good news of this message. If you have a Bible and you want to turn to it, turn to Romans 5.8. So here's the thing. We know that Jesus hung on the cross willingly, and here's how we know it. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in perfect unity, God had God power. God, Jesus had God power, okay? Jesus had God power. We watched Jesus walk through the world and perform some unbelievable miracles. He was healing people left and right. He was, like, he was looking at people that had never stepped a foot in their life, and he was saying, come on, let's walk. And they would just get up, just nothing. He literally raised somebody from the dead. So Jesus did all these things. He has full God power, and you're telling me that he couldn't get himself off the cross? He couldn't just hop off? No! In a flick of his pinky, he could have gotten off. In the flick of his pinky, his, his nails could have fallen. He could have thrown the cross halfway across the world. He was fully God. He did all of these miracles. He could have gotten himself off the cross, but he didn't. He didn't. Romans 5, 8. This is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. It says this, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God. This morning in the sunrise service, we talked about what I believe is the most important word in the history of humanity, the word tetelestai. These are two others that are some of the most important words in all of Scripture, but God. But God. You see, it wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the cross. His love for you did. It wasn't the nails that held him. He's so in love with you that he chose it. He chose to hang up there. He didn't have to. Jesus didn't have to do this. He's fully God. They work in perfect unity. Had Jesus been like, you know, actually... Uh, this doesn't seem like a good idea. Don't want to be hurt. Don't want physically to feel pain. They'd have been like, all right, we're in perfect unity. That's fine. You're fully God. He chose to do it because of his love, because he's so in love with you. In the midst of our mess, in the midst of the hurt, in the midst of the darkness, but God. Insert Jesus. Insert Jesus. In the middle of our mess, Jesus chose to do this for you. He chose to do it for me. We get to live a life of purpose and hope and destiny and love and peace and light and healing 
an eternity with God because the phrase, but God, exists. Because God wanted to demonstrate His love to us. And but God exists. Today is about celebration. It's about celebrating the fact that God demonstrated His love by sending Christ to die for us. It's about celebrating the fact that Jesus chose to lay His life down. Because of His love, we're destined for a victorious life. In every aspect, we are destined for a victorious life. Physically and spiritually, we get to be with Him. Now and eternity, we get to be with Him. In every aspect, we get to be in rightness with God, in right steps with God, because Jesus chose to hang on that cross. Before we close, we're almost done. Some of y'all are looking at your watch like, uh, Brother Landon. Before we close, we're going to watch this, this quick couple-minute video. Do you know what it feels like to be lost in the dark? Everything's one darkened layer, totality of chaos. Do you know what it feels like to have lost the light? Blackness surrounds you from all sides, an endless sense of night. This is what a life can feel like without its missing piece. This is the experience of being alive without a living God. The darkness can feel overwhelming until we allow the light to come in. The darkness can feel unending unless we find an end to our sin. So enter Jesus, the perfect Messiah, the true spotless lamb, still fully God yet fully man. He came to finish the plan. So if you don't know, the story goes. He came, he died, he rose He took up all of our sin for which only he could atone The link between God and man had been broken all the way back in the garden But Jesus came to set us free The burden of darkness now pardoned But enough about then And back to now, back to you Here's the choice to make To live in the darkness or walk in the light A path only the Savior has made You've been called out from darkness, welcomed into the light. You know what it feels like to be lost in the dark. Here's what it feels like to live in the light. I'm living in freedom, blessing expectations for his plan. I know that I've been given a purpose and when I can't, he can. My God, he's watching over me and my past, not even in his memory. I've been forgiven, washed and set free. My savior's love has taken over me. You see, all it took was three days for him to change your and my fate. Everything changed the third day as he rose from the grave. The stone was rolled away and my savior walked out victorious. Now we've gone from darkness to light, defeated to glorious, from death to life. I've been changed, pain to purpose. I've been changed from sin's devastation to an eternal invitation, from condemnation to matchless salvation, from darkness to light. I've been changed from darkness to light, from darkness to light. I've been changed. Here's the most important thing that we need to take from today. Jesus is not dead. Jesus rose. Jesus was the only man that was resurrected from the dead. And you're thinking, wait, uh, you just said, what about Lazarus? Well, here's the thing. Here's the difference with Lazarus. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he still died. He died again. Jesus, resurrected from the dead, will never die. He is our living hope. He is our living hope. The promises that we talked about, the promises were guaranteed in Scripture. They're not temporary. They're not temporary. They're eternal. We get to walk with Jesus 
forever. We get the promises of Jesus forever. Our lives should never look the same. The cross, the grave, the resurrection, it's not just for you. It's for your neighbor. It's for your enemy. It's for everyone on the earth that's willing to say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. We've been talking about what would be, and here's the encouragement. We don't have to worry about what would be. We get to, we get to walk in the promises of Jesus. Walk in the guarantees of Scripture. Because Jesus hung on that cross and because God said, but I want to demonstrate my love by sending Jesus. He died for you, He died for me, for your enemy, for your neighbor, and it's done. The promises are not optional anymore. They are guaranteed for you. They are a guaranteed promise because but God. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you chose to sacrifice yourself for us. We're so thankful that you chose willingly to sacrifice yourself. God, we're so thankful that you love us so much that you said, this is the plan. This is it. This is the way. God, we're thankful for the promises you guarantee us. We're thankful for a life of protection, a life of purpose. God, we're we're thankful for a life of light that we get to live with you. Jesus, you are good and you're faithful. And we, we repent of times that maybe we don't take this seriously enough. Jesus, draw us back to you. Draw us back to the place of, of, of needing you, of desiring you, of chasing you, and of thanking you for your goodness. Jesus, we love you. And our love pales in comparison to how much you love us. And today, for this, these few moments, we just accept the love that you give. We accept the promises that you promised us in Scripture. In Jesus' name, amen.